Well, we come to the close of our series on who told you that? Everybody's listening to somebody. Everybody's being affected by what you listen to. I want to listen to God's report. And God's report is always victory. Scripture says it is impossible for God to lie. He did not say corporations. He did not say certain infomercials, put 2D batteries in this, put it on your belt, turn the vibrator on, eat potato chips, watch television, and end up with abs of steel. That's a lie. And yet they make millions of dollars with lies all the time. Take this pill. You never have to work out. Eat anything you want, and you'll be hot and buff. Come on, you're laughing because you know it's a joke. But people always look for a pill or the easy way, don't they? We'd rather believe a lie than the truth. But God says it's impossible for me to lie. So I'm going to say he's the one I should believe. The devil is the world's greatest liar. In John 8, verse 44, Jesus said, You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. And he's talking to you. He's talking to many of you right now. He talks to us every day. He's the father of all lies and liars. Now, I don't want to be cursed by believing a lie. I want to be blessed with truth. Now, truth makes you free, but it usually first makes you a little miserable. Would everybody agree with that? If you really got some truth, it'll sting. The word blessing means to empower, to prosper. So cursing is you're empowered to fail. The enemy says, you're going to fail. You're going to be cursed. You're not going to make it. But whose report will you decide to believe? Now, backing up a little bit, we remember in Numbers 13 and 14, the ten spies brought back to Moses and Israel a bad report about the promised land. If you're not hearing a good report from God, you're hearing fake news. God's report is a good report even in terrible situations. The report we receive will determine what we do in this life. The way you see yourself will determine what you do in this life. You're only limited by your vision of who you are. You're only limited by what you believe you can accomplish or cannot accomplish. If you don't believe you can rise any higher than you are, you have now limited yourself to never go beyond where you are now. Who told you you couldn't be more, do more, or have more? Pause there a minute. I remember driving a god-awful yellow Volkswagen Beetle with 200,000 miles on it, living in a 45-foot trailer with roaches as big as a skateboard, and I can tell you under a lie detector in the front of God, I never thought that was the finish line for my life. I never believed that's the way my life will end. Well, that's just the way it's going to be. Well, it is what it is. Oh, shut up. It is what you make it. It is what you have believed that's a lie that will make it is what it is. No, it isn't is what it's going to be. So you have to believe what someone, the flesh, the devil, the world is telling you or your relatives or your particular peer group, or you've got to believe what God says about you. 
And I just knew I had a better future than that. I knew that. I knew I could have a better home life than I came out of. I wasn't going to settle for what I saw. I, knew, I don't know intuitively. I knew something was wrong, but I knew I didn't want that. Sometimes you start off by what you don't want. I don't want that in my life. I don't want to be broke and poor and ugly and miserable and have a lousy marriage and have a lousy life. I could at least subscribe to that. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? Come on. Come on. See, when are we going to get tough? Only those who stand on God's Word and believe the report of the Lord keep going. God's Word is a living Word. It's not the Reader's Digest. It's a living Word. And when His Word is acted on, it brings forth life and a solution to whatever your problem might be. So God's Word must be alive in you, or you'll self-impose limits on yourself based on race, culture, economics, religion, whatever you came out of. How I see myself will determine what I become, what I do, and what I am. All of us, listen, all of us have been brainwashed. The difference is the laundry you went to. I want the Lord to wash with the water of His Word my mind. Renew my mind by the washing of the water of His Word. Not not news reports on these paid puppets, bubbleheads for every party, but by the Word of God, okay? So your mind is being brainwashed by the Word or the world or the flesh or the devil. And remember, the devil can speak through a believer. He spoke through Peter. Peter wasn't even aware of it when he said to Jesus, you're not going to the cross. Be that far from you. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Satan had put that thought, you can be sitting next to somebody who's going to heaven, but what they're coming out of their mouth came from hell. You better know the word. Christians are the most gullible people in the world. They, they will buy anything. Well, I've got a lousy marriage for 20 years, but if I come to the altar and you lay hands on me and I get slain in the spirit, I'm sure when I go home, we're going to have a hot time in a house tonight. It ain't happening. You spent 20 years digging that ditch, and you're not going to get out in one weekend. That's not going to happen. Or you overspent and put yourself in a deep hole, and then you hear the truth that God wants to bless you and prosper you. That's good news. It's God's Word, and He tells you to honor the Lord with your first fruits, with your tithe, and God promises to rebuke the devil, and He will, but you find out it's progressive. In other words, if I dug a 20-year ditch getting in debt, I can get out, but I won't get out when the guy tells me, bring me everybody brings $1,000 in 30 days, you'll have the hundredfold. Nowhere in Scripture does it give me the power to say that. I know there's 30-fold, 60-fold, but it didn't tell me who gets what and when. I'd, I'd be a rich man because I'd just forecast over each one of you when it was going to happen. But I can't because I don't even know for myself. I just know with a life history, it does work. And God will do it. I can sow myself out of debt, but there's no bring your best offering tonight and tomorrow you're out of debt that you sowed yourself into for 20 years. You know, you would rather hear me get up and say the opposite. I'm going to bring Rick $1,000 and I'm going to be out of debt in 30 days and I'm lying. And yet churches will applaud that. Praise God. Honey, get the checkbook out. I'm telling you. You don't, get any, you don't get any praise, you don't get any reward, you don't get any growth if you tell people the truth because they want to hear something easy. Yeah. 
something that doesn't hurt, something that doesn't have any pain. That's nonsense. The only thing easy is either quitting or accepting Jesus. That's easy. It's living on earth. It's hard. It's making a lip. Thank you, honey. At least I got somebody over here today. Normally, I wish you'd wear a mask, but right now, that's good. I, I appreciate the support. So what's your self-image? Who told you that? Who told you who you are? Who told you what you couldn't do? You believe somebody's report. A healthy self-image can only come by believing God's report. When you get a doctor's report or a medical report, be careful. That is the natural report, and it's important, and there's nothing wrong with it. But it tells me now how I'm to pray, what I am to refuse to receive, and I know what to pray against. There's nothing wrong with that. The natural report is, I see this in your blood. I see this as a tumor. I see this as a disease. Okay, he's not a tool of the enemy, but now I know how to pray and what to pray against and to pray God's word against it to resist it. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. God sent his word to heal me, to deliver me. There's a fight. Faith is a fight. You're going to have to gird up your undies your jockey shorts or something, and get in the battle. Sitting in that chair is not, this morning, a battle. Getting out of bed probably was, but not sitting in that chair. (laughs) Then I confess the report of the Lord against it. By his stripes, I am healed. And boy, you got to hold on to that for weeks or months or a year. You don't know. You've got to come into agreement with God's vision of you. And His Word is a good report about you. Whatsoever things are good, pure, virtuous, true, honest, and of a good report, think on these things. Now, if I continually think on the enemy's report, it will eventually become true in my life. Can I prove that? Proverbs 23, verse 7. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Simple. Job said, the thing I feared most came upon me. What do you fear most? Job feared losing everything. Job 3 verse 25, here's what he said, for the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. Whatever you fear is what you're going to worship, because you give undue attention to that fear. Now, that which he feared came upon him. If that's true, why can't what I believe, faith, come upon me. It's your choice, you know, faith or fear. All fear is, is a perverted faith. Just as fear manifests itself, so does faith. The way I think will control the way I act and the way I live. That's why Paul wrote this in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God. It's true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, the thinking, the value, the attitudes, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, your thinking. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Notice two words. See, conforming to the world's thinking is believing the fake report and rejecting the good report of God's Word. And notice, he says, don't be conformed 
to their way of thinking. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. In other words, that way of thinking. So as I take in the Word of God, I start taking on the image of Christ, and I start refusing a bad report, right? Now, let me pause for a minute and do my little demonstration. The boys down in maintenance, Brother George, made me a form. If you're a builder, I see George over here, he's a builder. We probably have some others or subcontractors. The form could be any shape I want. It just happens to be a rectangle. So if a builder wants to lay out concrete, shape something, he builds a form. Would everybody understand that? It's not deep theology. All right. Then he'll pour cement or something into it, let it harden, and then it's formed. So all of us, all of us were first born, and our form, what we conformed to, was first dictated by our parents, and then by our friends, and then by teachers, or by our culture, or by our race, or by our economics. All of us were formed into some mold. If you're a redneck southern boy like me, born in the deep south in a small town, oh, believe me, we had a form. If you went to Hollywood in Southern California and you, you decided to live there and work in that environment industry, you believe me, it has a form, an attitude, a way of thinking, values, character, behavior, it's all in that form. If you came out of a minority background, if you came out of a poor neighborhood, you came out with a form. I'm trying to show you nobody escaped a form. So we were all put in it. But God says, I don't want you to be conformed to the world's way of thinking, behaving, responding, and acting, and values. Now, everything in your form isn't wrong. But here's the key. When my form opposes clear Scripture, the Word of God, I am to be transformed. To transform means to go over the mold. I'm to be transformed by the renewing of my mind and the washing of God's Word. So listen, if I put in this form a black man, a white man, an Asian man, a uh, Hispanic man, whatever I put in here, whatever race or nationality, and I put them in here, and we submit to the Word of God. The only thing different is going to be food I like, music I like, how I might dress, certain things that have nothing to do with righteousness, none at all. But in each of us, with whatever our form was, when we come up against Scripture, we should be transformed by that Scripture, and we should come out, even if your political ideology or your political party opposes the Word of God, you're to be transformed, which is why I won't make a good member of a gang. I won't. I won't fit in. Not to any of them. I just can't because I can't say yes to everything because when what they're doing opposes God's Word, I've got to speak up. Well, they want to X you out, hate you, shut you down, and throw you out. Yeah. Now, if you start to think, you're dangerous. Even in church, they don't think. They just listen to some bubblehead like me talk, and they don't check it out. It says the Berean believers checked out what the apostle said in the Word of God to see if it was true, and God commended them. Do you ever do that? You know, we're already supposed to be raptured and in heaven. 
Every time there's a new disease, every time there's a, every time there's a new something, it's it. This is it, brother. We're out of here. Suit up, stand up, shout up. We're going up. And I'm just wondering, does anybody think? No. And there's no reward for trying to help people to think. People don't want to hear truth. They want to hear a lie. Or they want to hear what you've heard for so many years. You've, you believed it is truth, and it's a lie. So what I'm trying to say is all of us came out of a form, and you're in a form right now, but I can only beg you, as, Jesus, as Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, don't be conformed to your ideology, your politics, your race, your culture. If it contradicts the Word of God, you be transformed. And that's going to put us all, we'd never mistreat anybody. We wouldn't have racism. We wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't steal from somebody. We wouldn't try to take advantage of somebody because we're going to be transformed, not conformed. So I'm, I'm asking, I hope it'll just, it's a simple little illustration, but I hope it makes you think that you want to get out of that box. See, I, I, I hope you, you're not letting somebody do your thinking for you. In religion, they do that. In politics, they do that. In media, they do that. You do your own thinking. God gave you a good mind. Now train that mind. Read, study, look at contradictory opposing views. Make your mind up yourself. Don't be led like a sheep to slaughter. Okay, so much for my demonstration. Okay. Do you know people who form habit patterns of fear so deeply they're terrified to leave their homes? And, and I'm not talking about COVID right now. I'm just talking about in real life. They wouldn't go out of a house, afraid to go to a mall, afraid to drive. They hyperventilate when they think about it. Getting on an elevator, they, they're terrified. They won't drive over a high bridge. They have to get out. They have to stop. They can't drive. It's nothing but a spirit of fear that has been allowed to remain and grow. Now, you can starve a fear or feed fear. It's your choice. You can starve your faith or you can feed your faith. And faith feeds on the Word of God. Romans 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You're doing that right now this morning on live stream or sitting here in this service. If you want to starve fear, stop listening to fake news coming by the enemy and renew your mind and then you renew your whole life. Repeat what God says regularly. Put it on paper. Get a printout off Google. Uh, our bookstore is not open, but you can Google scriptures for healing, for fear, for whatever it may be. Put them out, print sheet, and say them out loud every day, multiple times a day. Carry it with you. When fear comes against you and it comes to everybody, rebuke it immediately. What did Jesus do with the devil? Came to him with words, and he said, get behind me, Satan, for it is written. Now, if he used the word of God, who are you, Miss Pris, not to use it? Well, my, my mother told me, I, your mother ain't God. My mother told me, my grandmother told me, and a lot of people told me nonsense. Nonsense. I was told nonsense even in church, and some of you were too. We had laws God never thought about. I mean, it's amazing. God only had 10, and by the time the Pharisees arrived, they had 770. And God knows how many we have now. And you can go to the same denomination, different churches, and they change the rules. You ever notice that? Oh, we, we make things so difficult. Okay, now we come down to the pretty close to the finish line. Isaiah chapter 36. We've got King Hezekiah. 
king of Judah. He's under siege by Assyria. The king of Assyria has sent the chief of staff, Rabshakeh, with a message to King Hezekiah. Here's the message. There's nothing you can do to prevent what's going to happen to you. We're going to do to you what we've done to every other nation. It would be easier for you if you just go ahead and surrender. If you surrender, if you'll compromise, then you can drink from your own well, eat from your own table, and we won't have to destroy your city. And there are churches under siege in our country. The enemies put a blockade around them, and the people inside are being starved into submission because they're not getting the truth that makes you free. They're afraid to have the truth come in, actually, so the people have to eat leftovers. And when that's done, they bite and devour one another. That's called spiritual cannibalism. And they will start eating anything, anything they can find. In Samaria, when it was under siege, they ate and paid for dove's dung, donkey heads. And they boiled their children and ate them. So the enemy says to Hezekiah, Nothing you can do to prevent what's going to happen to you, Sparky. Ever had the devil tell you, nothing you can do. You're not going to get out of this. No hope for you. There's nothing you can do to stop this in your children, in your finances, in your marriage. There's nothing you can do to stop it. And the enemy says, now where is your God to Hezekiah? Now that this situation is upon you, the enemy will speak to all of us. Why, you've gone beyond his capability to help you. Folks, that never happens. You are never beyond the help of God, ever. And the devil will talk that nonsense. But the worst thing is that we have Christians and spirit-filled people in all kinds of churches who believe that rubbish and believe that lie and walk in that kind of a defeat simply because they won't fight. I suppose nothing frustrates me more than to see God's people with the word of truth, knowledge, armor, weapons, who refuse to fight. The Bible says fight the good fight of faith. Resist the enemy. It's a combat spiritually, and they become conscientious objectors. If you become a conscientious objector as a believer in God's army, you'll die. If you lose the fight, whether it's in your marriage, your kids, your finances, or your health, if you refuse to fight or you grow weary and stop fighting, you'll die. There are scores of Christians who have been taken out of the race, lost their inheritance, come short of their destiny because they wouldn't fight, didn't know to fight, or they quit fighting. God wants to mature you, and conflict is the only way He can do it. You, you cannot and will not mature overnight. I've been a Christian 46 years, and I'm only mature in spots. Don't be laughing at me. Yeah. Now, maturing has to do with constant commitment, constant faithfulness, constant consistency. Those are characteristics he wants to put in your life and mine so that when the storms come against you, when trouble comes, when the rain falls, when the floods come and beat against you, you're like the house built on the rock. You might shake and rattle, but you won't fall. If you're built on sand, you're going to come down, and Scripture says great will be the fall of it. There are so many casualties today spiritually simply because they didn't have the foundation to stand on. And when the enemy came against them, they ran from the light into the darkness. And darkness is the habitation of the enemy. And the enemy has a legal right in darkness to beat me up. That's why you've got to build up your foundations on the word of truth. 
the word of life. You guys in houses know that if a foundation starts cracking and the house starts settling and it breaks, you want a foundation that doesn't buckle, right? You want a strong foundation. The bigger something is, the heavier something is. If you go to New York and watch them build a skyscraper, they'll, for a year, they're going down. They just go down a big hole down and rebar and cement and support structures before they ever build that scraper. Every big thing, heavy thing, has the bigger your future, the better the foundation has to be. Or it won't support where God wants to take you. God may want to take you higher than you are right now, but your foundation is made out of paper mache. It won't hold it. And God loves you. He doesn't want to hurt you. So we don't we don't want to build our life on emotion. Emotion, I've learned after 76 years, is very poor octane. I can't live my life based on emotion because my emotions go all over the place. And yours do too. If you listen to the report of the enemy, you're going to find yourself on an emotional roller coaster. He'll run you ragged. So the enemy, knowing the power of God's word, says, and the power of just words people speak, he kind of uses them. Isaiah 36, verse 11. He says, your king is worthless. Your God is worthless. Your army's worthless. You're going down. You're going under. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. Fear and intimidation. But in verse 21, it says to their credit, they did not answer the enemy a word. You don't say anything to the devil. It drives him crazy. You act like he doesn't exist. Again, the enemy cannot read your mind or your thoughts. Now, the Holy Spirit knows the thought and intent of every heart, but not the devil. He reads my words, and he can learn a lot about me listening to me. Isaiah 37, verse 1, Hezekiah humbles himself, got this bad news. He surrenders himself to God. He says to God, I can't pull this off by myself or with our insignificant resources. My hope is in you, O oh my God. And notice, Hezekiah went to the house of God. He went to church, folks, not to the movies, not to the basketball game, not stayed at home and pouted. How many know he didn't feel like going to church? That happens to a lot of us. There are times I don't feel like coming, but I always feel glad I did. But he knew it was the right place to be. Verse 5 and 6, now comes the report of the Lord. When King Hezekiah's officials came to the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, you go back and tell Hezekiah, this is what God says. Don't be afraid of what you have heard. Those words with which the underlings of the king of Assyria, a type of the enemy, have blasphemed me. So he says, okay, boys, you've got the Rabshakeh's report, the chief of staff. You've got the king of Assyria's report. Now, boys, here's my report. Verse 6, don't be afraid of the words you have heard. Don't believe the enemy's report. And if God sent a visible angel to you or me right now who spoke audibly to you, do you know what he would say? Don't be afraid, Sally, of the words you've heard. Don't be afraid. Don't believe the enemy's report. Fear not. Verse 27. So God says now to Israel, Assyria will not be able to do to you what they have done to others. I'm going to save this city and you with it. And I'm believing that for San Antonio. Verse 36. 
God solves the problem in one night. One night. And the Assyrian army is now encamped against Israel. Defeat was the reality of the moment, if you look at it in the natural. But God came on the scene because the people would not turn their eyes or their trust or their confession from him. And God supernaturally intervened, and 185,000 Assyrian soldiers were killed in a night by one old off-duty angel of the Lord. It, it doesn't take. By the way, angels are ministers to those who are heirs of righteousness. Did you know that? You got angels. Yeah, they're around you. Be like the three Hebrew children who wouldn't bend, bow, or burn. Hezekiah refused to believe the report of the enemy. And God destroyed them in a night. Your condition, your situation... It may go on for a while, but it can change in a night. It can change in a night. So whose report are you going to believe? God's report to Hezekiah and God's report to you is victory. In your situation today, God is saying victory, victory. So whose report will you believe? Yes, there are giants in the land, Rick, of course. There are walled city. There's great opposition. But God says his name is Emmanuel, God with us. God's report about salvation. Call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. God's report about your finances. Wealth and riches come from the Lord. It is God who gives you power to get wealth. He makes the liberal soul fat. Give and it shall be given to you. See? So if I'm struggling with finances, I'm going to quote God's word about my finances. God's report about my antidote for health and healing. By his stripes I am healed. So we know what an antidote is if you take poison or you get bitten by some poisonous snake. Well, God's Word is my antidote for a bad report. Use it or lose it. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.